Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hard to Paint with David Rose. And today I have a very special guest with me, a nine-year veteran of comedy sidelines. And I'm I'd like to welcome Jamel McMillick to the show. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, you know, basketball season is always my favorite time of year. And, and this yeah. NBA season has, like any other, you know, I think people overdo it sometimes. I think some seasons are dramatically different than others. But this is playing out like any other basketball season in my mind. But this is, you know, this is the time of year I love. For sure. For sure. Um, really interesting year, to say yes. the least. You know, yes. a lot of changes uh, coaching wise in the offseason, a lot of players moving around. Uh, we saw a big time guy in James completely go and change the East, you know, and then the race is real, real tight. It's it's a exciting time, you know, and uh, obviously a different year with COVID and everything when the guys are trying to navigate through that injuries, protocols, all that kind of stuff, restrictions. And so it's a it's a completely different ball game this year. And you see uh, some who are a little bit more experienced, like the Utah Jazz, those guys, they're rolling. And uh, I think, you know, we'll see some more trends coming up in the second half of the season, especially with the schedule being as brutal as it is for everybody. I know right. certain teams feel they are um, got a short end of the stick on in that side of things, but um you know, it's going to be a cool second half of the season, and hopefully everybody can stay healthy and get through the second half of the season. That's the biggest thing is that, I mean, essentially everybody's playing every other night the rest of the way. And and we know players, and and, and, and as we've learned through medical science and sports science, that, they, that there's an optimum um, for each individual and the number of minutes they play and how much back-to-backs and not getting enough sleep impacts their level of play how important is that level of communication with the uh, sports health, uh, sports medicine folks on a staff with the coaching staff and how much really, how much does the coaching staff have to say in counteracting what the advice is from the sports medicine folks? Yeah. You know, head coaching, especially the head coach, he's got a lot on his plate. You know, people think it's just call the plays and do the subs, but I think now more than ever, the training staffs are probably your most important group. Um, and they're, they've taken over. They've got all this stuff going on and all these monitors and everything, trying to help these guys the best way they can to maximize performance. And you've seen some guys take jumps, you know, from average players to really good players, really good players have become borderline superstars and all that kind of stuff. So, we don't like it. I'm just going to be blatantly honest with you. We, we do not like minute restrictions and all that stuff. We understand it to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, competitive-wise, we are trying to get wins. And, you know, that takes a big responsibility on us to be mature enough to say, look, okay, this is the situation. This is where we need this particular player in this certain instance. Like I Drew has been out. And I think I heard him say that, um, you know, coach was like, listen, get right. We need you for the playoffs, you know, that sort of thing. And so you've got to be really aware of who you're dealing with as far as 
um, how fragile some guys are. You know, some guys' games don't allow them to play long stretches of minutes. You know, we see Lonzo, especially last year with us, you know, he would play eight, nine, 10, 12, sometimes 14 straight minutes. That's really hard to do, especially as a point guard in the NBA. And so managing all that, there's so many different things to juggle. Um, I think it depends on where you are with your roster, or where you are as an organization, um, young, trying to win now, developing uh, championship, all that sort of stuff um, plays out. And, and those guys are very, very important. So, you know, the sports science guys, they've come to us with a lot of stuff. That's the other thing. There's so many numbers and so many different formulas behind everything that we don't really understand majority of it. Most of the time, we just want the guy out there for his 25, 30 minutes and, and to get going, you know, spit on it and keep going. Right. Um, and one of the so there's a difference though. There is a difference though, between hurt and injured. Absolutely. I will say that. And Absolutely. so you really, that's, I think the biggest um, challenge for coaches and the understanding of that in players. Are you playing hurt or are you sitting down because you're injured? And, you know, some guys are more understanding than others. But also, like you said, in the individual moments, there are times you got a guy rolling. His game is just and and he wants to play. He's in the, the, the adrenaline is going and you could get 38, 40 minutes out of them that night. They're fully capable of doing it that night. No, you don't. Like you said, you don't want to do that every single night. Right. But the flexibility and the and the, the competitive nature of some players, and, I, and we both know it's not all players who are willing to do that. Right. But there certainly is the competitive nature of a lot of players that on a given night, this is a, this is a three point game late, and you're talking about my minutes, and we don't have the the legend of Michael Jordan. You know, we we all watched the Last Dance. We don't have those stories of I'm on that minute restriction trying to make the playoffs but I'm going to choose when my minutes are and I'm going to decide when I can and can't play for the, for the betterment of the team. The player is kind of taken out of this at at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, we had it firsthand Zion's first game, you know, we're in a tight game and we got to sit him. It was the hardest thing. Alvin, he was, he struggled with it, you know, and it's tough. Um, Obviously Zion's the guy along with B.I., uh, in, you know, a kid that young trying to come up here and play at this level, they always want to just go, go, go. You know, a lot of times you got to save them from themselves. You know, there's guys who will lie. You know, the veteran guys, they'll lie about it and say, oh, it doesn't hurt. You know, and then sometimes um, that can get them into trouble. But you see guys like CJ McCollum, I think, was playing with a broken back in the bubble and stuff like that. You know, it depends on the player. It depends on the – and the coach, but they have really taken, like you said, the players and it's a save them from themselves mentality, I think at this point. And so I think what you'll see is those developmental teams are going to be more conservative. Those teams that are going after it and who are ready to go after it. Um, they're going to have the players that can have some of the juice to be like, listen, I'm not sitting down, you know, and they're going to lose that battle depending on who it is. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very tough on, on the coach to have to sit there and, and try like Zion in the bubble was tough, you know, and the team goes there and wins what one game or, or so. And, and that's, that's hard, but 
at the same time, you just really got to know what the plan is. I think that's got to be laid out between management, ownership in some cases, um, and the coaching staff, and it really be on the same page about where you are and what you're trying to get accomplished. But, you know, the human being side of you has to look out for that guy, the next guy, the player has to look out for uh, everybody's health, you know, is everybody. So we'll see how, uh, how these guys navigate through this, especially with the situation. Like you said, they're playing every other night. A lot of teams have 10 back to the eight to 10 back to backs and stuff like that. We will see a lot more resting the second half. When, when you look at this, do you, as a coach and, uh, and, and players on the team, these are human beings. Organizations view them as assets. So there's a dehumanization that naturally comes with that. When you talk owner, when you use that word owner, we don't say that in other things. You know, we say management or we say what, but and when you talk about ownership and, and I think fans buy into this too, that you are the property of that team and they will do with you as they wish. That is a really hard thing to, to link up when management is looking at this as a plan. And as you say, the immediacy of the coach whose job every day depends on winning and losing, and you will get no leeway in that. There is no understanding of those conditions. And I'm gonna just use this quick before I let you answer. You know, people talked about, people talk about, well, the Pelicans are this many games ahead of last year's pace at this time. But that's not a fair comparison when Zion Williamson did not play the first 40 games of the season. When B.I. missed a number of games, when Derek Favors missed 16 and was barely available for probably eight or nine of those when he wasn't in physical condition where he played less than 10 minutes. You cannot compare those two things and yet we do this consistently and act as if these aren't just these aren't human beings that change and teams that change that 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 it's just this is what I expect and this is what I should get. Yeah, I mean, when you get into that stuff with fans and and all that, um, last year had fans. You could go watch the game last year and drink beer and do whatever else and be on the dance cam, which was a great time, by the way. In New Orleans. Um, but it's, I mean, I saw, I see it with writers comparing, there's a guy and I won't even, this isn't a personal thing, but you know, the, the Pacers are doing this, this, and this. And it was like, well, they didn't have Victor at the beginning of the season. Like you're saying, we didn't have Zion. Fave missed like most of December. Um, and it was rough there with no defensive anchor for us for a long time. Fave comes back and all of a sudden we trend to top 15, top 16, I think, in, in defense. We might have cracked top 10 towards it's the end a, of the year. It was top 10 the last so, – after the All-Star break, top 10. Yeah. It, it, so, and then, you know, you take the grueling schedule, the lack of offseason, the no training camp because that was two weeks. Guys still aren't even in shape to be honest with you. When I'm watching games, the defense, everybody asks what's so bad about the defense. It's because nobody's in shape. That's, that's really what it is. And so, and then protocols, the season, the Pacers are in ninth place now. The East has seven teams with 17 losses. It's a grind. Like it's a very, very different league than it was a calendar year ago. And 
you know, writers, fans, we love them, but narratives are always to fit their own personal, whatever they're trying to come up with. Right. And you can easily make something negative and you can make the exact same thing positive, whatever point you're trying to make, especially with numbers, we can make the numbers dance any way we want. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's difficult to, to get through all that stuff. We don't pay much attention to that stuff. Some, some guys do players do more so than coaches, but um, you know, when you're trying to get through all of this and, and compare this year's team to last, there's nowhere, no way you could do that. You can't compare this year's Pelicans to last year's at all. Um, especially with that big horse you got <laughs> that's there right now. Zion is a monster. And it's if we have him after preseason, preseason he was unreal. If we have him the first 30 games, we're a top 18, in my opinion, I believe, with faith. Right with the way we we're up and down the basketball floor, and how we had, but we had time to prepare. We had time. Alvin had been there for a number of years. You know, we had Drew Holiday who had been there for a number of years. You know, we had consistency with those guys, and then Bi came into his own. You know, he had an All Star in Bi. He was at an all time level, which he still is an All Star, regardless of the West and only the twelve spots. So you know, that's that's really hard to do. It gets tricky. It gets slippery. But um, you know, it's part of it. You know, the, the media loves doing it. Uh, the fans are reaching for something to understand. You know, and that's understandable from from our aspect and from their aspect as well. So, you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think they've gotten incrementally better in certain areas, and that's you know, the plan, I think, with them this year. I don't think winning was a big part of this year's agenda as it was last year. <laughs> we needed and wanted to win. And I think they are trying to, they're needing and wanting to win the day, the week, and see where we are and reassess this next week. That changes your whole perspective and your day-to-day. The very, very different groups. I don't want to deal too much with last season, um, but I do want to ask you this. And this was something that bothered me throughout last year. When favors first, when Zion is announced that he's going to have surgery, no move to bring in another big mm-hmm. phase goes down. No move to bring in another big, the backup point guard situation, no veteran behind, at that position. The, the wing position you have an all-defense guy in Kenrich, who is who is a guy that last year I would say because of the injuries and stuff, he was a bit too slow to guard quick wings and not strong enough to guard fours, and he was asked to guard fours a lot. And then you have B.I. playing four way too often. Just not built for that. When you're on the staff and you go into each game and you know, you look, hey, I know we're at a competitive disadvantage in these places. How difficult that is that for the locker room and for the staff to continually try to put those plans together and say, I just have to optimize what I got and see what's going to happen because, you know, I'm missing some pieces. Yeah. It's uh, that's, that's, that's the job, you know, like there's, 
85% of the coaches going out there on the sideline every night in that scenario. And it's like, where am I going to find a matchup? <laughs> like, where am I going to look? How? Um, and there's different ways to be creative with that. You see now, you know, zone has become a huge thing in the, in the NBA um, for that reason. You're just trying to trick teams into um, going a different direction, break a flow and that sort of thing. And so we got caught into the gimmick stuff, you know, like it was get up and down the basketball floor as many possessions as possible, you know, and deeper outlets extending the floor and trying to spread everything out and create some sort of opportunities. And we were able to do that offensively, but you're not going to be able to run and hide on the other end of the basketball floor. It's good. It's just, you're, it, it, they're going to find you the Rick Carlisle's of the world, the Brad Steven, they're going to find you. And so uh, with us, it was, listen, this is what we have. BI, it was a challenge with his matchup every night. Okay. We know you are the matchup. We can get a bucket. Now we got to find a way to get you as a guy who embraces that side of the floor defensively so that you own your matchup. Own, dominate the matchup, own the matchup, right? And there's a lot of – you just got to challenge your guys in that sort of – those types of ways. Um, I think Alonzo is a guy that we challenged as well to get out there. And the point guard position is a monster. On a night-to-night -night basis, you have no nights off. I don't even – even the bad teams. Those guys can play. Um, and so, really, what you're doing is – you're trying to see where you have strength with a young group who hasn't really seen winning. And then you're trying to encourage those strengths a lot, a whole lot. And then you try to give them something here or there that they can try to maybe they see some sort of success in that. And then you're trying to create a spectrum across the board where guys embrace each other in those new areas that you're able to, like Nikhil is a guy, just catch and shoot the basketball. You're very, very good at it, right? Sharing his success in that. And then, you know, many victories within what we're trying to do. At the end of the week, we want to get our transition defense. We don't want to allow more than – 16 transition points per game, right? Which was something we were not. <laughs> we did not um, but why was that? Mm -hmm. Shot selection, right? Our shot selection was so then, you know, with Coach Finch, it was move it to the get the one more, just one more to a better attempt. Guys started seeing their numbers as Lonzo has seen the last month. He's taking better attempts. I had the same situation with Josh Jackson in Phoenix. I said, eliminate two bad shots a game. You'll get up. He ended up shooting 40% just off eliminating two bad shots. And he's and so, done that. And now he's, he's balling, proud of the kid. He's done it very well for himself, especially in uh, Memphis and now in Detroit. So those are the little things that you're trying to do is I am grooming this guy to find a way to get better, you know, 1% better this way, 1% better that way. How did he work with his teammates? 
um, with something else like Nikhil has a 40 point game this year, 37, you know, what is he going to go to the next time? Okay. Cut your turnovers down. Something like that. You're trying to constantly coming up with different challenges for guys to make the game fun so that they show up every day and they see some success regardless of the wins and losses. How hard is that when you have a majority of your roster in one year contract situations or they are extremely young, you know, because those those variations personally, you know, because you're thinking about my next contract. Do I need my numbers? Am I getting my, you know, my because quite frankly, the year that you left when you're in Phoenix and, the, and we had that hodgepodge team of guys and you have a Julius Randle who once he understood what the deal was when AD said, I'm done. And Julius went into, I got to get these numbers up. And he became a black hole <laughs> and he was getting his numbers every night. And his game is much different today with the Knicks than it was that year in New Orleans. It's, I mean, he's making better shots from outside. He's still the same player, but he's taking better shots and making his shots from the outside. But you could see it. You could see that his motivation was not about the, the wins and losses. You saw that, that string where Elford put together the triple doubles, but every time he was on the floor, he was a negative. Mm-hmm. but he was racking up stats. And when you have that, we have all these young guys who are trying to figure out who they are in the league. And then you have Mercs who are there trying to figure out their next check. How do you build a cohesive unit there? You don't, <laughs> you know, that's, that's really what, I mean, you see it all across the, you don't. And that's why you, you have the Sacramento's. That's why you have yeah, these. Right. Teams. That's, I mean, when you look at, when you watch golden state play, the high, high level Golden State team, the last, you know, when they won it the first time, lost it the second, but then they won the next. There was none of that. And then when it did become that in the KD, the late in the KD time, it blew up, right? So even that, as good as it is, you're going to the finals and you're in a very successful situation. And then there's the, you know, this dub nation and everything. And then, you have that going on. I mean, it doesn't translate to success at all. You see it in Philly. Those guys can't figure it out, right? All of a sudden, come in now. Doc, who's been a guy who's been around the block for a really long time, has those guys at an unreal rate. And you see Ben and Joel laughing on the bench the other night, right? You never saw that before. They, they always supposedly, not in that locker room, but supposedly had some issues. Right. So, you know, it can be done, but it's what those guys got to get outside of themselves. How do you get them outside of themselves for the next guy? Um, And how does your team do the players on your team hang out outside of the gym? That's a big one. I've been on teams in New Orleans where guys did not talk to each other. Like we'd be in the breakfast meeting and it's like guy over there, guy over there, guy over there, you know, like they're or they're in their phone. It's just like constant in their phone and then you know you have a guy like drew holiday who's bounces to everybody right he associates with everybody there's different guys that really can keep you together and i think the year we went to the, the second round and swept portland that team was about as close as i had seen as wild as the guys were on that roster rajon rondo kept that team where it needed to be that is what is missing from a lot of the teams in the league is 
a leader within the roster and not a vet, a leader within the roster because vets get tricky as well. They're over the hill. Don't think they should be doing much. Shouldn't be saying nothing to me. I've been doing this and all that. And then, you know, they're collecting a check depending on who it is. And so they can be toxic as well. Got to be careful with the vets you bring in around the young guys. But you see a Jimmy doesn't Butler. doesn't mean pro. Does not at all. And there are like, I know a James Jones type guy is a pro, a pro's pro, right? I think a J.J. Redick is a pro. I really enjoyed J.J. last year. Um, and then you see like a Jimmy Butler taking a Tyler Hero and now they're like best friends friends and you know got this hilarious relationship down there and hero was balling i mean he was really playing well um and jimmy understands that that kid can play can help me win it's going to be around for a long time you know and when you say when you have jimmy's a winner minnesota the last time they were remotely close or in the playoffs jimmy the bulls same thing Philly, last time they really, they were shot away, right? Miami, finals, winner. So if you got to really understand who you're bringing in around your young group, there's always going to be young guys. We have a draft every year. And every last one of them is going to want to be an all-star tomorrow. You know, we had it with Buddy Heald that year, which Buddy reached 350 last night. Shout out to him. Um, you but 1,000. Yeah, yeah but in 350 games. games. 350 games, yes. Yeah, which is Crazy. better than Steph. But anyway, so, like, vet doesn't mean pro. You've got to have pros around young guys. And Rajon Rondo was a pro. He kept DeMarcus, you know, where he would come to the bench, going nuts, throwing water balls, and then he'd go back out there and get him a three. Knew how to do it. You know, he would come back, Drew, I don't know what you're doing. Next three possessions, nobody's allowed to shoot but Drew. You got to get going. You know, stuff like that is very, very valuable. You'll never see it. No, not many people will know about it besides us, which is unfortunate, um, unless you hear the stories about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that is what's missing from majority of the teams in the league today. A lot, and that's because majority of the teams in the league – those guys have been removed. The older guys have been removed. Now they want you at 20, 21, 22 instead of 30, 31, 32, you know? So they just haven't seen it. They don't know what they're looking at. They haven't seen it. They're trying to figure it out as much as you're trying to figure out how to help them. And where, you know, one of my things is where would they have learned to be a leader? Because you don't really have to lead in high school when you're the best player. Everybody's just giving the ball to you. You know what to do. You're going to win this game for us because night in and night out, most of these kids that you're playing against will never be anything. You know, they will never, ever play basketball yeah. again, except in the rec league or IMs or whatever. You're playing against future accountants. Hey, that's cool. You've seen it. You've seen Zion play against children in high school. Yeah. Yes. And, in, and in college now, because the gap has gotten so big in the college game, if you're an elite college basketball player, again, 80% of the guys that you step on the floor with have no business being there with you. Right. So, and if you're there for a year, how do you assert leadership? How do you learn leadership? So I bring you in, you come into the league at 19. 
You don't have leadership. You don't have practical understanding of defense because you've never had to play defense. You don't have a practical understanding of time and situation because you've never been challenged with those things. You've never been in a game where you had to adjust in the final five minutes in your life. And you've played mostly with loaded teams in AAU because you're flying from wherever you are to where the other AAU players are. So you've not even been the worst guy on your team in a real sense and had to fight for playing time. So if all those things that you bring these guys into the league, that is a lot to overcome for a coaching staff when you're trying to do development and win at the exact same time. Add the media to that. And it's, a nuke, right? Um, it's really, really difficult now to develop and teach with the way the schedule is and lack of practice time, especially this year. This year is a disservice to all young guys. It really is. Unless you're just saying, okay, game experience, that's really practice. And meanwhile, the fans are watching this like, what is going on? You know, and it's like, like you just said, Zion Williams has never had to play defense. He's just going to jump over everybody or he's going to go and rip the ball from like he did in summer league that one time. I mean, from the kids he was playing against and AAU coaches don't help the mix because they don't teach. They do not teach. And so all the stuff you mentioned and then you add the travel you add the money, the dollar factor behind that. And it's like all the a lot of these guys, too, are getting rewarded without success. Like we see guys making max who haven't won 25, 30 games in a season. You know, like I'm giving you $150 million for, for this to do something you've never done before. That's hard. That's tricky because not only has he not seen winning, that's an, there's an entitlement behind that mm-hmm. for young kids, 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, and then you get to 24, 25, you start seeing guys talk about they want to kind of win or whatever. By 27, 28, they're going to team up. That's, that's how this has pretty much become now this point instead of the Damian Lillards of the world who are like listen I'm here let's let's figure this out but Damian Lillard's a four-year college guy I saw him in Alaska great Alaska shootout very he was nowhere near what he is now good player but seeing him now compared to then and seeing a four-year player in college from now and or from then till now and then you see some of these guys the one and done guy, 19, 20 years old. A lot of them are out of the league um, after one contract. A lot of them are journeymen bouncing around all over the place, trying to figure it out, like what happened, why, how, when really it's, you know, a situation where they don't understand that we need you to just do this and this. I, I just need you to do this and this. But then they want to like, you know, sidestep, step back through, you know, they want to do all the stuff that, and then the other one is the workout guys. These personal workout guys are like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. There's a reason they're not on teams. Let's put it that way. Because it, it, a lot of that stuff that they're doing gets lost 
in translation when it comes to sets or when it comes to some type of system or the flow of what a coach is trying to do or coaching staff is trying to do. You know, it, it, it is beneficial. Yes, I am not knocking these guys. I'm just saying far as trying to go from an individual aspect to what we need is a team aspect. There's a big gap in how that space is filled in. And a lot of times it's left to the player to fill in that gap. And they're trying to figure out oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, because the workout guy is telling me this when the team just needs you to do that. You know, you see that a lot as well. So there's an extreme lack of teaching early. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. I, I, every time I see a high school coach, talk to a high school coach, I say, listen, you are the most important person that this player will see. Because if you don't establish it now, we don't have a chance. We don't. There's too much money involved. And it's not going to become important to those guys until something happens. Or, you know, like Tony Allen averaged, what, 20-something in college? Yeah. And he's he couldn't get a bucket in the league. But I asked him about that. And he said, Kevin Garnett, I looked around. I had KG, who's out there getting 25-30. At the time, Rondo, balling 15 had an argument as, at the time for to be the top point guard in the league. It was 100%. An argument. Paul Pierce is there. Giving you 25. Hall of Fame, 25 to 50 on any given night. Where am I going to fit in? A lot of guys wouldn't ask that question. They try to shoot over those guys. Or, you know, they every time I touch it, it's going up. Instead, he carved away for himself on the other end of the floor because it was needed. And as a result, him and Perk, the enforcers, they want a ring. So if guys, but it's because he had pros in front of him. Pros allowed him to see that realization and put him there. Veteran pros. And so, um, you know, got to be careful who you put around these guys, who you put around Zion. You know, who you put around Ja Moran, who you put around Jason Tatum. You know, he's had a lot of really good teammates so far. Eastern Conference Finals, three out of four years, all that stuff. Who's the the vet, the pro that's going to get him there to the, you know, that next finals? And, you know, even that is uh, is an interesting dynamic to watch across the league with uh, some of the philosophies with uh, these guys who are big, heavy numbers guys or, uh, or just character guys who value character. But I think that's where the numbers have really screwed up some of these organizations and these teams because they try to go get these bets or pro or whatever off numbers yes. instead of off the man. Yes. And that, you know, and that's tough. Yeah. Because accepting your role is, is, Whatever it is, if if tonight I need you to score twenty five, that's your role tonight. It's tonight I need you to just focus on your man. But you're right, accepting roles because I was talking to Randy Livingston about this once, and you know Randy, and um, he was talking about when he coached in Australia that there's a very serious commitment. You have to be certified. You have to go through teaching on a regular basis to maintain your certification. And he's, you know, he came back over here and now he's coaching high school ball at at Newman. And he's like, 
you can tell that these coaches here, they're not qualified, that, that they don't invest the time and in turn, the kids suffer, like you said. And when you get to that, that next level, and, you, and, and the most important thing is the player's willingness to do it in the offseason on their own, we see such an emphasis on skill development. And yes, this is probably the most skilled era ever. But most of those skills seem to me, and as you said, these individual coaches may be a big part of that, is your individual skill is about you. The skills you're developing are about your game, not how to play within the team structure and the film study part of it. That when you talked about Rondo and during that season and him saying it and, and other players communicated that he'd send them film two in the morning and say, did you see this? Pay attention to this. You're not doing this. You are doing this. Film study, individual work, all those things are what's required of you as a pro. And if you're not doing those things at 19, because nobody told Kobe Bryant that he had to do those things. Nobody told Rajon Rondo he had to do those things. Those things are inherent in you, that competitiveness. Why, why are fewer players embracing that kind of grind? Because it's not necessary for them to get where they want or need to go. You know, like they, they're able to do it other ways. They're, other, they're, they're able to off ability. Like we give max contracts off potential what I think he's going to do for the next four or five years. Right. And like Rondo that year, I was walking, it was after a game, went to the cheesecake factory is the only thing open. And this guy had maybe 10 to 12 family members, aunts, uncles, family sitting at the table. You know, they obviously came into town. He had his computer out. He didn't say a word the whole dinner to these people. And I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? But then it just that he wouldn't be comfortable if he didn't. His kids would come to the gym running around or whatever. And then his daughter would go get a book and sit in the bleachers. And his son would sit and watch film, not cartoons, film. <laughs> you know, like it was. It's different. And there's a reason those guys, we talk about those guys, those guys are mentioned different places. They want Kobe to be the logo, you know, like there's, there's a reason why you value the Steve Nash's, you know, and you go back to those type days, you only talk about a select few names. And there's a reason you talk about a select few names, the Tim Duncans of the world who just orchestrate and manage and touch. They touch everybody in the organization, not the roster the organization because it all matters. The ticket salespeople matter because we need the fans to get us over the hump. Fans don't understand home court, home field. My beloved Seahawks are exhibit A of that. <laughs> we struggled at home without the fans, but with the fans, you got good luck, right? You're going to have to beat them. And so guys understand that when they go in the community and they talk to these people and uh, they're interacting with middle schools and high schools and camps, churches and all that stuff. And, and really trying to create a lifestyle behind the brand with, with, you know, their teams. And some teams are a lot better than others. You see them nationwide and all that kind of stuff, but is that you can't, it can't be taught. I, I know one is, a big example is Anthony Davis caught a lot of heat 
you know, for in New Orleans for, you know, not being there, not being tough, this, that, you know, all the stories, right? Yes. And, every, and everything in that situation. And the reality of it is he didn't know, like Anthony didn't have a leader here when he got to New Orleans. He, he had, you know, a couple older guys on the team or whatever, but he was the guy and had to figure it out. Like, I mean, Tyreek was barely older than him. You know, I mean, Drew was barely older than right. him. That's what I mean. Like, it was Ryan like, Anderson was the oldest dude in the in that group. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's not a leader. I mean, you no. know, Ryan wasn't a Rod- leader. We had Roger Mason back then. Yeah, but uh, I mean, again, yeah, Roger's yeah, borderline player. Right, that's what I'm saying. He didn't have he didn't have that, so it's not going to be groomed in him the way it is now, with what he sees on a day to day basis now. If let's just say LeBron decides miraculously to retire after this season, Anthony in those areas would be significantly different. Just being around that on a day to day basis in a scenario, Drew Holiday is learning right now. You know the grind part of it in a situation where we're going for a ring. This isn't about playoffs. We're going for a ring. And Giannis has really flipped the script and he's trying to get there. Some people say he's not that. But you, you know, see that, Giannis, I mean, Giannis to me, you see him every summer saying, I got to add more to my game. I don't work out with anybody but my brothers. Cause I don't want people to know what I'm doing. And there's this, I see the relentlessness in him. Now, it just hasn't paid off yet, but that, but that's our changed perception of what a winner is in that we measure it completely by the ring and not, like, you can't tell me Jimmy Butler's not, like you said, Jimmy Butler's a winner. That's right. what he is. Rondo, without a second ring, was still a winner. Right. So, I mean, right. it's, you know, I think we just, you know, that perception like, is just wrong. You're right. You just... Everybody, it's all about the wins and the losses and all that kind of stuff. And I just think the development from Anthony having Monty, those first four was huge because he's one of the best I've been around as far as, you know, you guys know, right? And so Anthony early was able to get that discipline, that, that grind, st- you know, era within him. And then he saw Rondo. And now he's probably seeing one of, for sure, the best today, one of the best we've had in the league, right? So his body of experience with that, obviously he's growing up and he's grown now um, to, obviously he's an unreal player, but, you know, that's a different path than a lot of these guys get to see, you know, when they get drafted to some of these organizations, and, you know, they just get, fall by the wayside or they be, they're labeled busts. You know, it's not that they're a bust. It's that the situation was less than ideal. And it, it just was too hard to navigate through. And everybody lost. The city lost. The coaching staff is probably gone, most likely. And the player probably is making 10 to 12, depending on who it is, million less than he should be because – of what was around him at the time and everything like that. Timing's a big part of this, right? And so, uh, you know, it's it's very, very interesting to see um, some of these guys where they are uh, today compared to even two years ago, three years ago, 
you know, but I do think that when you have the Lillards of the world, I mean, it's special. It's, it's, it's really special stuff to have. You know, I think Mike Conley is a leader. Yes. Another guy who has had really, he's had an unreal career in this league, you know, and underappreciated. Yes. 100%, 100%. And now his team is in first place looking better than, I mean, by far. And so, um, those guys are going to be important down the stretch. I know Rondo, a big part of why he's in Atlanta is because Trey Young needed to see it. He needs to see it. He, we know you can shoot from the logo. How are you going to get better? What are you, what are you going to do? You know, like what's, what's next for you? I don't need you to gun up all this stuff. Well, now, okay, how are you going to get Cam Reddish involved? How are you going to do And then I'm sure Rondo's there. It, it's, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it, does not, it does not stop. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's a joy to be around. It is a joy going to the gym when Rondo's in the gym. Something weird's going to happen every day you're there. You know, there's one-on-one and he's cheating his ass off. Where the, you know, like he's making fun of coach, whatever. He's got the card game going. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's everywhere. He's just touching and, you know, Atlanta saw that in him and paid him, needed Trey to see it because they, he hasn't had that example that they were looking for. I'm sure Vince Carter was a, was a part of it and obviously a pro's pro, another guy. But from the point guard position, you know, how am I going to get this team where it needs to be? How am I going to keep everybody involved and happy? And so really, really uh, valuable stuff if you're able to have that on your roster, especially as a coach. Yo, one of the things when you talk about AD in particular, and people think I have this animosity towards, I don't have any animosity towards AD. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I saw what you saw. And to me, I looked all the way back to his high school career and you saw his coaches say, Anthony wanted to be part of the team. And when you have a losing record for two years, when you're the number one player in the country and you're in high school, that says a little something about what's being developed around you. What, what is your mindset? And that's, again, not an ultimate criticism. It's not a failure on his part. The team was the team, whatever it is. You go to Kentucky and you're surrounded by success. So, again, that pressure's not on you. He was told by John Calipari, block shots, rebound, and get putbacks. He wouldn't score 20 a night. Right. But you could see the talent was evident. You put him in a situation, he's the number one pick, like you say. You build a roster on him with no vets. And that natural, he's not, he's naturally an introvert. He's yes. not going to be yeah, the guy yeah. who speaks up. He never was. And you're around Drew, who's also a natural introvert in that regard, as far as telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's not conducive to have that. And, and then you saw the shock of it when you introduced Boogie and Rondo and Boogie out there calling him out and saying, look, if you're going to be hurt, give me your Achilles and I'll go out. I mean, give me your you know, leg and I'll go out there and do it. Or you have Rondo, who who was not kind at times to him. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that maturity and then to go to L.A. and play with guys who, who had won. Danny Green had won. Rondo won. LeBron had won. JaVale McGee had won. You know, even Dwight had been to a finals and Dwight had been the centerpiece of a, a team that won 60 games three times. I think that forces you because you can be overwhelmed by those guys if you don't stand up for yourself in that mix. 100%. 
100%. That, that is spot on. You know, it's like you said, Anthony's the ultimate human being. He's, he's a great dude. Like a really another guy you enjoy to be around. Nice guy. Tim Duncan wasn't a overly, overly animated I knew, guy. I've known Tim since we were 18. So. Yeah. Like he, he, but an assassin. He's good. It's, it's not. And there's a look that he gives, he will give where you just know, right? Like you just know. His eyes get a little bit wider. It's like, it's like, Oh, Tim is pissed. Yeah. You're like, Ooh. All right. So um, that year was big. I mean, really, really big for AD. Like you said, DeMarcus wasn't, wasn't kind. It was joking, but he was serious. Yep. Rondo just doesn't care. He, He, I mean, he went at DeMarcus all the time. It was great. But then Dante Cunningham was another identity guy on that team. That's very low on the totem pole, but the toughness factor, Dante played every game. He was the guy on defense, offensive rebounder. He's the grind guy that Steven Jackson. Positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he decided to shoot 40% from corner threes, you know, like, and so that helped. And he had a guy that could defend as well as he, he stepped out to the three point line, shot the ball, and then, you know, those guys, they put AD in uncomfortable situation, a lot of uncomfortable situations, which was good for him. And, and he, he didn't necessarily run from it. Um, and he didn't whine about it. He didn't, you know, it was just like this. It, it is what it is. And you figure it out. And I think that's with anything in life, right? Whether, you know, you're, you're in construction or a doctor or anything like that you know if you're just coming out of med school and you're going in trying to perform you know a surgery repairing an achilles but the person in front of you has only been doing it for two years and y'all are in there looking at each other somebody's somebody's in trouble Right. Like it's just, but that's what we're asking these guys to do. Come in against the best players in the world, be great. And so we can go and celebrate and party and watch the games when the guy in front of them has only seen it for two years or whatever. You know, and the rest of these guys, you know, LeBron 36, that translates to these 60, 70 year old doctors that are performing these surgeries, you know, like, and you learn from them, translated to 20 years, 30 years, sometimes 40 years of experience compared to some freshly out of med school kid. That's the same thing. And, and so it's a lot on a De'Aaron Fox right now, right? It's a lot, you know, for a Shea Gildas Alexander right now, who's a very good player. And you see it all over the place in the league, Minnesota, Towns, is trying to figure it out has had this guy d'angelo is obviously out for them ricky rubio comes back guy he's familiar with um who has seen success in utah with the playoffs and everything booker was another guy couldn't figure it out chris paul comes there now they're in fourth place nobody wants to see them between monty and chris paul and then he gets on the phone with jay-z apparently there you go you know, like you, you got to have it. These guys, they have to have it. And you have to see it at a high, high level. 
in order to to reach that. And so um, I'm I'm glad Book finally is able to show what he could do. Being with him for a year was amazing. That kid is he. I'm a big fan. Um, good player. And so uh, hopefully we see a trend here where teams or rosters, players take a step back from the kind of go get it situations. Um, and you, you able to see them do this. I think with the, the three guys teaming up and all that stuff, all they're trying to do is do this with people they trust, right? You know, the big three type situation. Well, if you have a big 12 or 14, you can get a lot accomplished. I think Miami showed us that. And Utah's doing that right now. And Utah's doing that right now. It works. San Antonio essentially did that. Yes. I mean, because, you know, Manu Ginobili on his own on another team, if he had been the first guy. No, we're not talking about Manu Ginobili. If Tony Parker had to come in at 19 the way he did and be the star for a team, we're not here. Tony Parker might have been out of the league. But to that point, Manu Ginobili had seen success everywhere he had been. So obviously he's been around big time guys respective to where his, you know, organization or ball club was and was able to bring that himself. He had a different leadership himself from across the water. Right. And yeah, all Tony being a pro from 15, 100%. And then those guys go off to their national teams where they're the guy I'll be the guy on my national team because that's what really matters to them. You know, going for the Olympic gold. That's where they want to be the guy. But when they got to San Antonio, it was like, okay, I'll just take whatever my leadership, my coach or a couple teammates or whatever, add it together with the legendary pop. And you have something that's pretty spectacular that we've seen over the last two decades, nearly two and a half um, special stuff. So um, some of these guys are understanding that Booker understood that he needed to go get somebody, you know, that was coaching wise can put me where I need to be as a man can put me, you know, and help me in that regard in my day to day, my approach, my mindset, the substance and in my intention. And then Chris is helping me. He can play. He's relieving me some nights. Hey, go. You know, just go. I I don't have it tonight. And there's going to be plenty of those nights, too. Um, But he's allowed that luxury now and we see the success. So um, it's it's pretty interesting stuff, but we'll we'll see how these guys get it going and how they're able to finish. That's the biggest thing. You got to finish here the second half. One of the things that you really harp on is defense. Yes. Either the conditions that the league has created defensively, um, you know, with the officiating and with the rules and also with the effort by players, because I, I have never been a person who believes that, that concepts win on defense. It's, it's, that's a college thing. You know what I mean? Like that's a college thing where you have, where you're going to see 20 different types of defenses all over, but basketball in the NBA defense is relatively simple. Um, it's, it's effort, it's attention to your matchup. Uh, it's, it's those types of things. Are you going to fight over this screen? You're going to go under, you're going to, you know, how quickly are you going to close out? Are you raising your hands up? Or are you staying low? 
those types of things, the attention to detail. But the defense is so bad across the league right now. And part of that is, like you said, the, the conditions this year. But we're seeing it trend. It almost feels like the steroid era in baseball. That numbers just don't mean anything anymore. When you see guys putting up 37 on a regular, when you see guys getting having these nights of just, oh, we haven't seen this since 1956. We haven't seen this since 1962. Well, there's a reason that shit was so rare. And now you see mediocre guys or guys who are good putting up Hall of Fame numbers on a nightly basis. And I, I don't think that that's actually good for the product. I could go on for a year about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a situation now on the defensive end where I'll first start by saying I don't know one. I guess Rudy Gobert, but we all aren't seven foot eight or whatever he is, right? <laughs> so, who has gotten a max contract because they're a great defender? It hasn't happened and won't because numbers the number of guys don't value that side of the ball. I actually was with a coach who said offense wins championships. Okay. Wasn't Golden State top five defense every year that they won a title? Yes, they were. Yes, um, they were were not the State, Lakers last season the number one defense in the NBA? And I, like the 25th ranked offense? That's, I'm, that's what – so there is this – it's not sexy – to do it's hard you're going to get hurt i i'm exhibit a i can go through every injury if you want if i mean it'd take a while it's hard to play that way you get it, it, it's, a, it's a brutal game i would be interested to see how many guys just one rule change you're allowed to hand check which is what it was when i was growing up you, you this was you know, how many guys are going to average their 25 with a hand check? I guarantee you those numbers go over half are, are eight points less with a hand check. Now, you can say, well, that was the norm. So that's what guys went through. Well, yeah, well, so was shooting threes. They didn't shoot threes back then. But we judge the guys then compared to now about shooting threes. And defense is the same thing. We see the sweep through. We see now guys are jumping 15 feet to the left or right, drawing fouls, and they're getting calls. Or in Trey Young's case, he's figured out how to stop and jump. Um, but if that contact is a foul, then why isn't the contact at the rim a foul? Like verticality has to be a foul then too, right? And so scoring – and this whole like AAU up and down game is making money, right? And so that's what people want to see. It's what people pay for. It's cool to see a guy get 40, 50 or whatever, but it has no substance. And so defensively now, it's not sexy to guys because they're not going to get paid for it per se. That used to be an identity thing for guys. You had a guy, the Bruce Bowens of the world. He's going to defend. He's going to foul you. And you're going to have to play through it. If you went to the park and played, you wouldn't call this stuff. I hope. 
I hope you. No, win. it's gonna be a fight if you're, yeah, if you're the guy who keeps calling that foul. There's gonna be a fight. Even even in college, you play an open gym. Like you don't call that stuff. Even when these guys play in the in the preseason, you're just doing your off season workouts and stuff. They don't call that stuff, right? And so it's really hard. It's I mean, it's really hard to play defense in today's game. Everything is a foul. Um, to climb into a guy and, and climb over a screen like you need to do because guys are just that good at shooting is difficult. Then they have now like the roll down. You're trying to go under a screen, guys rolling into you, whatever, like all that stuff. You know, I get it with um, the league trying to clean up the game, trying to make it a safe game, you know, but I think it's gone to a point where guys have just said, why bother? Certain guys anyway. Like, why? Or the mindset is, I'm just going to get it back on the other end. Uh, whatever, I'm just going to get it back on the other end. But I, I blame the AAU crowd of things because games don't have value in AAU at all. None. Winning and practice has now. even less value. Yeah. Like, so you can't expect them to be competitive when they've never been competitive, especially on that. I always call it the man side of the ball. And I can go jack up shots on the other end. I can go jack up 25, 30 shots. I don't know how many are going to go in, but whatever. But it takes something else to pick up and lock up. And it stands out. What they don't realize is, it stands out when you do that. When you get up and pick up a guy 94 feet and just turn him, turn him three times. That's it. That stands out. And it has an impact. Yeah, you've take you've shaved nine, 10 seconds off the shot clock. Yeah, 100%. You know, and like you, you mentioned, concepts. Everybody has the same ones for the most part in the league. You know, he's running pick and roll every, 90% yeah, of the time. Right. Everybody's running the same thing. So if, it's just a matter of if your players are in position or recognize or have the interest to do it. All defense is, is an interest. TJ McConnell has an interest. He is in the league because he can get a guy a shot and he can harass people. That's it. Can't dunk. Can't really sh shoot. Unless no, it's that 10, 12 foot leaner that he likes doing. He makes free throws. And he harasses people. Della Dova made a had a short spurt of that, right? Like a couple years ago, and got paid off of it. It's a niche that that guys don't understand is valuable and necessary, unless you have a Toronto who's like, listen, we've had to go through LeBron every year in the in the playoffs, haven't figured it out. But I, I'm pretty sure that Coach Nurse, with his creativity, he had to be creative. He had to go through LeBron. You got to be, you got to come up with something. So they have different zones, but they go get a Marcus All, who is a very good defensive anchor, mm -hmm. right? Kyle Lowry, Van Fleet, Siakam. It is an Anunoby. It's an identity for those guys it's an interest but there's a commonality between all five of those guys you mentioned lowry was overlooked a dude who, who 
came out of college as not a high profile guy in Houston did okay, but they didn't love him and they moved him. Van Vliet's a guy who did four years at Wichita state G league. And then, yeah. And had to go, I mean, so undrafted free agent, then you get Ananobi and Siakam, two guys who were off the radar who have, who understand if I'm going to stay, I better work. Gasol was called the fat little brother and uh, was a throw in for the Lakers when they got his, his bigger brother. And so all these guys come in with a necessary chip on their shoulder and an understanding of the work ethic that it takes. And, and, uh, and so you add Kawhi to that, another guy who was overlooked coming out of school, a guy who played power forward in college. I and you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I will say, but to that point, Kawhi Leonard, San Diego state comes from a very good program. Yes. Fisher did a fantastic job with hundred percent. Lowry, same thing. Had Yes. And historically, those guys, the DiVincenzos, Josh Hart, like those guys are, they have that identity of the, they play hard, defend, right? Marcus Gasol is from across the water where they teach from a young age, right? Skill and development and all that stuff, you know? So it comes from the, their base, it's not when they get up here right. to, the, to the league. They they had that. Van Fleet, Wichita State, winning a lot of games. You know, they, they were tough down there in the Missouri Valley and saw it, you know, him and, you know, with the Ron Bakers and all that stuff. Like, the teaching before with their base is crucial. And management went and got the guys, not the players, the men who had that identity because that was important. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's where I go back to that. All you AAU coaches and high school coaches, you you are, y'all are the guys, you're the guys. And and you got to understand that you're going to either help or you're doing a disservice, an extreme disservice. And some of them are going to have self-imposed limitations because they didn't see it before. And they should be up here making 12 to 15 over some of these other guys, but they didn't get it early. And so the situation, just the dots didn't connect for whatever reason. Um, I think that the way that we're going defensively, you will see some teams um, make it a primary defense. We're going to start in zone. I played for a coach like that in college. It was man principles. It was essentially switching. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what that's, it was. Everybody's just switches now. And it... But that's right. Because, and, you know, and it's because of the numbers. And so that's what people, guys, there's a way to switch. You can't just switch. You can't point switch. That's what it, Golden State, Cardinal, you've seen it for years. Back cuts, slips, whatever the case may be, offensive rebounding. It, it, can, it can burn you. You know, so there are concepts and principles and there's an identity behind zone. It ain't the Syracuse stand there because we're just longer than everybody. And, you know, and we're going to slow this thing down. Now, you got to be active. You know, you see Kyle, you watch Kyle Lowry play. He is everywhere on defense, taking charges. He's harassing people out front. I mean, he's everywhere. But I think it's an identity thing with those guys to where – 
it's valued. There is an emphasis on that. And I've heard their players in, in interviews say that. You ain't going to defend. You ain't going to happen. Right? And so um, it'll trend back. <laughs> it, it will trend back, but not this season. I think it's going to get worse because this uh, schedule is very is brutal. It's less than ideal. And guys are going to start saving themselves. And I, I know a lot of guys don't do it because, like you said, they're trying to get paid. They don't want to get hurt or, you know, whatever. They feel like it's it's uh, they got to save it for the other end. I'm not going to have my legs. I know that was a big thing with Ryan Anderson trying to guard Zebo back in the day. Um, banging with Zebo, banging with Z, You could forget about it on the other end. He wouldn't you'd have the legs to get the ball to the rim. But he was a very good defender on Zach. That was who he guarded best. So, um it's a combination of things. I think it starts with management and your analytical personnel, um, your GMs, your presidents, it's gotta be valued. And in certain cases it's not as much as it probably should be. And then coaching staff wise, if your coach is not a guy who's, who's interested in that side of the bowl, then you're gonna have a lot of long nights. You really are. But I think it's it's one of those things. It's all it's going to take is for a couple guys to get paid in that area. Give somebody a mat, give a, a wing, a max contract, like a Roberson type guy, that type of guy, a max contract for locking up. And if guys started doing that, then, you know, these college guys would be like, I can do that. Then you see guys harassing people all over the floor. You know, it's a it's a way that I can stick. Because not everybody can do this. Not everybody. He's got but that's the, the part that confuses me is that these guys who looked up to Kobe Bryant, and they, they say that that's, you know, every, I mean, this is Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. Kobe was an elite defender. Not at the end of his career, of course, when he was literally mm-hmm. saving himself. But at his peak, but you're talking nobody, about. But every highlight they show, they don't show a single defensive highlight. Everything these kids know about Kobe Bryant or even Michael Jordan. Jordan, it was the tongue out, gold chain, you know, dunk contest in Seattle. All the highlights from these guys. Kobe is the fadeaway. Want it to be the logo. All that stuff. It's never about the other end. It's never, I respect that guy because he never ran from a matchup. I mean, I you know that that first year when they beat Indiana in the finals, and he mm-hmm. basically told Jalen Rose, "You're not scoring." Yeah. Like there was nothing for Jalen in that series. But the other and part of that is that competitive spirit. Something like that doesn't exist. I'm no. just gonna—it's not here anymore. It's no. not. It's AAU has taken that out of it. Like Kobe at the Olympics, he even stay at the hotel with the team. Because it would affect him in the season. I didn't want, you didn't want to be friendly with the guys. That's different. Like, and, that's the, and the story from the Olympics is, I don't need to score tonight. I'm taking on their guy. That's Kobe saying, I'm just playing defense tonight. And Krzyzewski had to tell him, we need you to shoot. You had to tell Kobe Bryant to shoot. Because he, he knew that night he needed to be a defender. And you, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see that no, from these guys. not, not. Not at that level. You, you'll see it. Like, I do think there are two-way players in today's game. Like, Bradley Beal is a two-way player who is very good, right? Jimmy Butler is a two-way player. 
but there are guys that play both sides of the ball um, and they may not fiend for it, but it's like a hold your own. I'm a man. Like you got to go through me type deal, um, which is better than majority. And jo- Joel Embiid is one of those people who started to pick that up. This year, his defense is so much better than it had been the right. last two years. But again, you see guys who can't. Ben Simmons is a has been a good defender for the first part of his career. Ben Simmons is a guy who can't shoot. Non-shooters, defend, it's a way to stick. Obviously, he can pass with the best of them. He's 6'8 and can run yeah, like a deer. Un- and- unreal. Unreal um, ability. But these get buckets, guys, everything is about getting buckets. So if you're only drafting get buckets, guys, and those are the guys who are being able, you know, he can then that's where you're going to be. And that's where we've gotten to at this point in time. And so I'm, I, I'll say it now that two or three teams that really embrace that side of the ball going down the stretch how the Indiana Pacers have been the last five, six years. They're not an overly talented team, but because they've defended, they've been, they've overachieved every year from Frank Vogel all the way through till now, you know, they, they are a team that that's what that city and that organization built on, you know, and they got anchors and they got guys that have interest and all that kind of stuff. But there's two or three teams that embrace that side of the ball with the way the standings are, you, you could take off, you know, like the New York Knicks could end up in third place, fourth yeah, place. The number two defense in the league right now. Right. Yeah. And Tibbs, it's valued all of a sudden. Tibbs say, he said, I'm not satisfied. I want one. It's relevant to them. All of a sudden the Knicks are relevant. You, you know, nobody's really, you pay attention because it's in New York. But you don't want to play them now. They play really hard on both ends, really hard. And that's a staple of theirs, much like Toronto when they won it. Golden State, when they were winning it, you you can't get around it. And the teams that just don't value it, they're going to struggle. I think people underestimate the toughness of those Golden State Warriors teams. They they don't Mm -hmm. understand how physical they really were. And they also think, you know, people – with the three, they were middle of the pack as far as attempts. They were just obscenely good at making them. But they were a mid-range shooting team most of the time. Steph is a killer in the mid-range. KD makes his living in the mid-range. Clay is was primarily the three-point shooter. But what did he do? Off, off-ball cuts, like you said, off-ball cuts to get layups. That's why he didn't dribble very much to score, because he was always in the space and could move. And that's why Draymond to this day can be a guy who scores two points but get you 12 assists and 12 boards and change the game because he's also the greatest communicator maybe from that position as as a power forward. I have not seen many people communicate defensively and understand everyone else's role and be able to get people in the right spot and teach on the court. We've seen it, him teaching James Wiseman on the court during the game. The, that physicality was there. The Bucks, the last two years, number one defense in the league, physicality was part of that. Yep. And, and so, I mean, Miami, like you said, getting there's Jimmy Butler is a is a star 
but he is not necessarily what you would say is a transformative player for your franchise. You drop him in, you're not going to go from 30 to 60 wins. You know what I mean? He's not like LeBron in that you just drop him in and you're a championship contender. But Miami right. built themselves a 12-man roster of guys who were all on the same page. And then you keep a guy, like you said, with Udonis Haslam, who's the institutional That's knowledge crazy. of this is how we do things here. And nobody is going to tell Udonis, man, you don't play. You ain't going to come in the locker room and be like, you don't play. Because he's been there, he's seen it all, and he's got the backing of the organization to be that guy. And that part of it is sustainable. Yeah, the Heat have never won 50 games in a regular season under Eric Spolster except with LeBron. But the reason you stay competitive with lesser talent is because there is a commitment to doing this the right way. And there's and they've changed offensive philosophies. They've changed all those things. But the defensive principles and the commitment to doing that hasn't wavered. Pat Riley, Haslam. Then you go to Golden State. You mentioned Iguodala wasn't a, a shooter. They had Bogut, who wasn't an offensive guy at all. Sean Livingston. Livingston. Mo Spates at one point, who was a toughness factor. Didn't care. will hit you. The three, Draymond isn't a shooter. The, so the threes, it's just they made the ones they took. It seemed like they were gunning up a bunch, but they just had guys that are unreal at shooting them, and they just made the ones they took. Majority of that game was inside of that line off cuts. They passed to the post, which you know Bogut has no interest in scoring, and now you've got to deal with the movement. Guys working together with each other. There's no pound-pound. I think Steph... I commend Steph, one of the best guards in the league, because he immediately gets off the ball when he crosses half court. How many times have you seen Steph come down and just run a mid pick and roll? You just don't see it doesn't happen. He understands that you're going to have to chase him and he's going to create a closeout situation, which is the hardest thing to do on defense. Or you're going to be behind him. All he needs is a step. Yep. with any type of cutting whatsoever, and you can't grab and hold like you're used to be able to do. They don't allow you to do that. They got this thing called freedom of movement, which, yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, freedom of movement. But he understands that. Get off it, get it back, right? And so that, but like those guys seeing it is valuable. If Anthony Davis had Draymond teaching him like that back in 2012. Who knows? You know, like who knows? As good as Anthony is, who knows? Right? The Haslam to even check Jimmy. Heard he went at Jimmy in the bubble. You know, like, hey. And Jimmy all of a sudden is leaned over the scores table, exhausted, giving it for that logo. We don't, you don't see that very often, right? Valuable, but they, that's solidified in, in how they operate Miami heat. Right. Um, so there, there's a very interesting spectrum of a, the toughness factor across the league, as far as how you um, go on the floor and how you compete the competitiveness factor, 
between just individuals on the rosters, as well as a collective unit and who's demanding that of the collective unit. And then the guys who are playing the game because they happen to have some height and some talent and they want, you know, whatever the guys buy these days. I don't even know what they buy anymore. Uh, the fashion thing seems to be, I doubt they're paying for it. So, you know, they, a lot of these guys just spend more time trying to figure out what they're going to wear in the tunnel than a defensive game plan where I need to understand tendencies. I know Dame going right generally is going to go to the rim every time. If he goes from the left slot and drives to the basket, it's going to be an inside right-hand layup every time. Sidestep, he can do it either way. And he's extended his range now, but he wants to go left. He goes left, he's going to stop, pop, and you're going to get you're going to foul. You got to know the personnel tendencies. Guys don't spend enough time on that. It's also interesting how many guys don't watch basketball. How many guys on a roster, if you go through the rosters in the NBA, how many guys have league pass on their TV at home and pay attention to it? A lot of young teams don't. <laughs> I just don't. But a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker does because, it, 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 you know, he's trying to find a way to gain an advantage. I'm sure Shea, who has become a very good player, has influenced that in some sort of capacity. I'm sure they talk a lot. I don't know that for sure. But, you know, there's a difference between those type of guys. So now, you know, you get an opportunity, you go out and you get 37 ready for it. You know, and, and, and so um, a lot of that is on us in trying to help influence that, try to get these guys to see and understand situations, uh, what success really means. Like, what is success for us the next week? What is successful for you the next week? What is successful for you the next game, your minutes? Okay, you're only going to get 12. What are you going to do in those 12? I do know this, you can earn another three and get it to 15 just off your matchup alone, owning your matchup. If you want to increase it, I don't, give, I don't care what shot you shoot. I don't care if you shoot at all, at all. But if I know you can lock and chase and get back in front, and then when he gets the ball, you know a pick and roll is coming, and you can get over it, or you can spin under, reestablish yourself, then when he goes back over, it's going to be an automatic switch. He goes downhill, and then I block the big out, and my teammate gets the rebound. Three more minutes a night. Three more minutes a night. But are you willing to do that unsexy multiple effort play? Or are you just waiting for the ball to hit your hand so you could gun it up the next one because you haven't had a touch? And majority of them go for the latter. They would rather yeah. do that. And I think that goes on the offensive end, too, because we've seen things mm -hmm. like the post-entry pass die out. Most guys cannot throw a simple post-entry pass. Yes. Um, Off-ball yeah. movement for most players is non-existent. It, if they can't get off a screen, then they're, they're not getting free because they're not – they don't understand, again, spacing. And that you see it all the time. The ball's on one side of the court and there are two guys who are not moving. And this is what they criticized in the 90s when they said you were doing this ISO and guys were slowing the basketball down. But that is exactly what's happening now where the ball is staying on one side of the court. 
and they're running pick and roll. And if they don't get the shot they want, then they run pick and roll on the other side. But mm-hmm. there's not this, there's not this, you know, for all this freedom of movement, I don't see cutters. I don't, and that was one of the things that when I watched Rondo for that year, and there's something that he does that very few point guards do, the probe dribble, where he goes straight to the basket. And his intention may not be to pass or score, but he's one, he just wants to see what the defense is going to do. 100%. And then he comes and pulls it right back out, and he'll see if there's a, fir- a cutter coming by. or But now he's got you to shift. And once you're shifted, now he's, he's throwing it to somebody else, and it's moving that basketball. And we see that with Zion as well in this point Zion thing is that just him moving that, him creating that space allows B.I. to score. When B.I. is the creator, I feel that's a problem for the Pelicans because he requires five, six, seven dribbles to create. The best B.I. is three dribbles or less because he doesn't move the defense naturally. Zion can move the defense naturally. And I think that that, with that lack of, from team to team, you've seen it just become so vanilla but you're seeing the points, but the, the, the concepts are so vanilla because A, like there's no defense being played and B guys don't understand how to play without the basketball. They've never had to do it. Like if you're an AU averaging 30, 40, like these guys do, you've never been that guy who's, <laughs> and if you were that guy, you never got the ball. So you're probably at home, you know, playing Fortnite or something. <laughs> But, you know, like, guys, it's not sexy. Again, it's, it's like there are certain guys that don't have the wiggle. So they got to figure it out other ways. Guys with this and all this and can do it, they don't. I, mean, I remember my dad one time went into the gym and stabbed the basketball and threw it back to the team and said, play. I was like, you can't do that. But stab the ball, give it back to play. Oh, this is not basketball. No, you don't know how to play basketball, right? Basketball, there's a, it's a, like you said, it's a dance. There's flow to it. Some of the, my best sessions of, of player development have been three on three with two dribbles, sometimes one. Zero gets it gets chaotic, but if you give a guy one dribble, that's just a rip through and go boom, one bounce. Now I'm here. There, floater, pass, whatever. You you really understand who can play, and I always do it in draft workouts to see like three on three scenarios in different sets according to what we would do. And cutting is so. That's why Golden State is impossible. They were impossible. To, they were so hard to guard those years having to defend the three as well as the cutting. You, you're going to get guys to bite. If you make two or three passes by that time, defenses have shut down anyway. Primary offense makes it easy for defenses. Yep. You have a team that just goes and guns stuff up. That's, that's easy. It's the multiple effort stuff, you know, I swing it this way, DHO, bring it back, pick and roll. I hit the corner. Now it's drive and kick. I guarantee you're wide open. After that, you're wide open, especially today. But, you know, like that's that's one of the things that um, is interesting, too, is you see a lot of continuity offense in um, 
college because of the shot clock. Right. Longer, you know, and so you see the Princeton stuff. I ran that in college. It was everything was cutting and passing and moving. Something as simple as drive and kick. If you don't run a single play, if you just take the ball, put it in your right or left hand because the guy can't stay in front of you anyway, go, boom, and throw it to the next guy, and then he just take it, rip it hard, and go, that next pass, something good's going to happen. And, and that's where Lonzo, you know, I've seen him do it more recently, where which is something he wasn't doing. And he looks to be more settled. You know, it's, it's actually good to see him in the space that he's in right now um, because he's attacking off the driving kick a lot tougher than he was before. And adding that element is going to help him because if he does that, all he's got to do is relocate, go, throw it out, and then sprint to the corner. That's all Steph does. And now those are those good attempts that he's been taking. And those are those good attempts that he can make. And he looks good shooting, right? And it frees the BI. Zion at point guard is great. Trust me, watching it, he's going right to come back left. You can't, like, they haven't figured it out yet. It's exhausting to pound the ball like that at that rate be that big jumping the way and the brutal pounding that he takes at the rim. That's hard to do. And then ask him to go defend on the other end, you know, like something he probably hasn't done before. Never done before. Right. Adjustment period. So that's where he's going to have to be smarter about deferring to, you know, BI Lonzo taking some of that Eric Bledsoe taking some of that off. You know, and um, Eric's a guy who goes hard to the rim, but he falls every time. So now you're at a defensive disadvantage. He always falls, right, when he goes to try and finish. That's one of those things where, you know, you try to figure that out. So the whole thing with all of this um, and these guys and, you know, speaking, I guess, Pelicans specifically is they're – the learning curve offensively, I guess they call it IQ, the basketball IQ of guys in today's game has gone down. That was part one of my conversation with former Pelicans assistant coach Jamel McMillan. We'll have part two in the next episode of Hard in the Paint.